I will do anything within my power not to take a dump anywhere but my house. Her breasts were seen. She then pulled down her pantaloons. Welcome to Movie Muggin, the father and son podcast that puts on its pants two legs at a time. That'd be pretty cool. Just have someone hold it down mm-hmm. like a, on the landing of the stairs and you jump down a flight directly in it. I would recommend not that high. That'd be cool. Maybe like a bunk bed or something. Seriously, I've done it. In the army, we got on the top bunk and somebody held out a big pair of uh, BDUs, which is the battle dress uniform pants, and... I jumped right into them. Were they hard to put on, or were y'all just messing around? <laughs> we were drunk. Oh. <laughs> just walking around. <laughs> okay. The shit you do in the barracks, man, when you got extra time. Yeah. We did that. We we rode uh, buffers, because we had to buff our floors all the time. Oh. Yeah. We did all sorts <laughs> of fun stuff. I've always kind of wanted to do that. Well, I'm Vince. I'm Jack. And we are a father and son duo who love watching movies, then having a conversation, but more importantly, spending quality father-son time together. Yep. Episode 33. Sweet. So we're like a third of a way to 100 now. Yeah. Not bad. Not bad for a couple of dumbasses. <laughs> I was going to say speak for yourself, but I own it. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what it's time for. I do. Lobby time with Vincent Jack. All right, everybody, welcome to the Movie Mug and Lobby. This is a time where we talk about things that aren't related to the movie we're going to be watching, but we still think they're important enough to warrant some airtime. So this is the place to chat about those things. Do you have anything? I do. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I don't. I was going through my phone the other day, and I found something that I screenshotted. It's a conversation that your mother and I had with you hmm that you texted us and, and it's kind of like the hawaii story that we had a while back where you were stuck in the bathroom yeah. when you were younger and housekeeping was there and you were taking a dump and you were afraid this one was back on november 20th and you text us this it sucks that my butt doesn't work right when i wake up because i already feel a poop cooking that, and that it, was probably at work and it's almost ready and your mother said get in the mall and go real quick yeah <laughs> Go to the food court bathroom, LOL. <laughs> you said, do you even know me? Later on, you said, I'm in agony on the toilet. Eyes are watering. Oh, that I remember that day. You said, I thought I was going to throw up, not from the smell or what I saw in the toilet, but the pain and the experience was something I'd like to forget right now. <laughs> and then a few minutes later, you said, no, the toilet's broken. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't fucking flush right. It was, the handle was all limp dick. I eventually, it was like the chain was messed up on the underside or whatever in the lid. And so I eventually just hit the flush thing enough times for it to all go down. And then I just told my manager, hey, toilet isn't flushing right. Every time I have a shift before like 5 p.m., I couldn't poop before no matter how many times or how hard I pushed. It won't come out. I know it's there. It just won't. And so I have to poop as soon as I park in the parking lot, as soon as I get in the car and I'm too far away to turn around. I 
will do anything within my power not to take a dump anywhere but my house. I almost shit my pants that day. There was zero <laughs> percent chance. Like as soon as I got, I, I would like to say before my cheeks touched the toilet, like seat, poop was coming out, and it just hurt so bad. Like I, I thought, I actually thought I was gonna throw up. I've never felt that way. I've never almost thrown up from pain before. And of course, the first time I feel that way is from a, a red hot shit. Or white hot, I guess, if that's hotter. <laughs> it was so bad. And the one pie toilet paper you can see your hand through. You just oh. fold it six times it's and a- hope that you don't finger yourself. <laughs> I'm 50 years old, and I'm pretty sure I can count on one hand, maybe one hand and two fingers at the most, how many times I've shit somewhere other than my house. In your entire well, 50 I mean, years? Let's take you've the, probably forgotten a good handful. Let, let's take the army out of it because, you know. You don't have is, a choice. That is what it is. But, yeah. One of my last jobs, I was there for four years. Never once took a dump there. <laughs> the job before that, I was there four years. I took two in the same day, but I'm just calling that one. It was, no. It was an emergency. That's two separate. It was an emergency situation. That's two. That's two. There was another time when I was yeah, in sure. sales and... One of my customers was having a chili cook-off. So I went there and you went around to all the chilies and you tested them and you had to like, you had to score them and stuff like that. And then after that, I had to meet a client at Hooters, (laughs) which I did. And then on the, on the drive home, my stomach was like, you motherfucker, you motherfucker. And it was one of those things to where I thought I'm going to ruin the seats in my car. This is about to happen. <laughs> and your pants and your underwear. But it was like, I'm going to make it home. I'm not doing this in a gas station or <laughs> oh. McDonald's. I'm going to make it home. Well, I couldn't. So I made it to my office and I ran in the door. And normally I would say, because it, it was in the evening, normally I would have said, hey guys, I'm here, but I couldn't, man. I just had to run. Dude. Oh my gosh. It was horrible. Horrible, and then I could hear people out there saying, "Well, I heard somebody come in, but I don't know where." Well, somebody's in the bathroom, and I'm just like, "Oh gosh!" But it was, it was damn near an emergency situation. I would have had to sell the car. I mean, that's all there is to it. I, uh, I would not have been able to clean that up. I would have set it on fire and rolled it off a cliff and some quarry or something. I'd had to find one. I have two very short stories about toilets. Two of the worst ones I've ever seen. We were going on a hunting trip. It's both on the same hunting trip too. I was nine years old. We were, we were oh, yeah. on our way to go dove hunting. It was yep. my first time. I remember that. And we <laughs> we stop off at a 7-Eleven, and we walk in because we got to go to the bathroom, and I open the fucking bathroom door, and I go into a stall because I can't, I can't always pee at a urinal when there's other people present. Yeah. I don't know. Stage fright. I get it. And so I just, I peer into the toilet bowl. And there wasn't much, but it was like an alien specimen or something. And I dry heaved with my eyes watering and ran out and just held it until we got there. Was that the one where we walked in and like you walked in and you immediately walked right back out? (laughs) Because I just dry heaved and ran out. And I was like, I couldn't even think about it. That's one of those things you can't think about it or else you're going to dry heave again. Yeah, I, I totally remember that. And then we got to our shitty motel. Oh, that place was terrible. Yeah, I, I'm start taking a shit. Well, first off, the bathtub was all like 
clear packing taped on it, on the bottom because there are big cracks. It was cracked and broken, and, and like they, the cracks were like fault lines. They weren't even; they were nope. lifted. It wasn't just like a crap crack in a crap <laughs> a crack in the paint or something. It yeah. was fucked. And they put packing tape on it, like that was gonna. Yeah. And then when we got there, there was a roach. Like, hey, welcome to uh, the the sucky motel. Would you like a mint? Would you uh, uh, like me to uh, tuck you in tonight? Dead roaches. There were stained sheets too, like brown stuff under the pillow do you remember that yes it was a bad bad situation i go and i start taking a shit and that's when i notice there's a roach crawling around on the toilet Mm -hmm. and i was like oh i gotta finish (laughs) and it was on on the back and Mm -hmm. then i saw it crawl around and i'm like no 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 (laughs) that was the worst motel i've ever been in yeah, and I, I guess that means it's mine, too, because I, I haven't been in many. I have not frequented a lot of motels, but that was the worst one. The window was broken, too. They had that taped up as well. <laughs> it was just, we didn't, I don't know, it was I, not cool. I slept in my clothes on top of the bedspread. We, like, pulled back the sheets, and I'm like, I'm not fucking getting in that. And it was just so nasty. <laughs> if there'd have been a fucking one of those black lights or something you could have shined around, oh. can you imagine just how awful it would have been in there? I'd sleep in the fucking parking Cause lot. Because that's that's somewhere a crack whore is going to take you. Yeah. All right, you got anything else? Nope. All right, well, it is your turn. So let's head on back to the podcast studio slash viewing room, and Jack will unveil today's movie. So today's movie came out in 2001. All right. It's rated... PG-13. Wow. I think that's the first time I've said that. Probably. Uh, It has a runtime of 126 minutes, so two hours and six minutes. Okay. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes gave this a score of 76%, while the audience gave it an 89%. IMDb rated this a 7.6 out of 10. The Mormon mothers tell us that a man hits another man in the crotch. (laughs) A woman imagines being violently tied to a bed. And that the strongest word in the film is whore. Okay. Did I hear right? Did Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb basically give it the exact same score? Yeah, 76 and a 7.6. Okay. That's the exact same. Interesting. Then audience, 89. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see about this audience. <laughs> Have you seen this movie? Yes. Okay. Once, <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> There's been many times I've said this, and most I'm... every time it's been bad. Okay, let's see if we can break that string. This movie is called... Moulin Rouge. Moulin Rouge. <laughs> I know you like that one too, so. I do like that movie. I haven't seen it in a long time. I, I have, wanted to see it again. I have not seen this movie in a long time either. Okay. Maybe well, since last time you showed me, which I was probably like 12. All right. Well, let's do this. Let's take a movie mug and pause. Okay. <laughs> and we are back after watching 2001's Moulin Rouge. Yep. First of all, fuck you for picking that movie. I'm about to fucking ugly cry over here. <laughs> I know. Man, that was a tearjerker. I had to like like dim the lights. I had to squint for a little bit. I was like, I will not bitch out on this one. So I've seen this movie twice, and I know why I've not watched it a third time. I don't yeah. I don't want to watch it again. Yeah. It hurt. It, hurt, it hurt. All right. Well, let me give it the 50 cent tour. <laughs> Yeah, let me give it the 50 cent tour. Get a tissue box in here. <laughs> this is a tragic love story. Yeah, it's, whoever wrote it is like already better than Shakespeare. None of his shit is good. I mean, like Romeo and Juliet, that's stupid. But the way this this is love. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Romeo and Juliet has its place. I think what makes Shakespeare the shitty trash. is the 
old English that you read it in. Ye olden corset was ye removed. From thine spine her breasts were seen. She then pulled down her pantaloons. Legs were parted. (laughs) What? I don't know. I'm not good at that. (laughs) You're not allowed to cut that out. All right. (laughs) So this was a story of a young writer who goes to Paris. He's a fantastic writer. He gets... I'm going to say mixed up with these other guys because they kind of befriend him. They're crazy. They're bohemian artists. They're putting on a play and they want to pitch it to the people at the Moulin Rouge so they can play it there. Yeah. At a huge theater that's very popular. At the same time, there's this Duke who is going to be funding it. And at the center of this is Satine and she's played by Nicole Kidman. She's the star of the Moulin Rouge. Mm -hmm. The Duke will fund the play if he gets Satine, but like, Satine yeah. really loves Ewan McGregor's character. Which is the writer. Which is the writer. And he loves her back. It's that secret love. Yep. And she has to hide it, try to hide it several times for the sake of everyone in the Moulin Rouge. And in the end, they're going to kill Ewan McGregor if he shows up again. And and she's dying. Yeah. She has like tuberculosis. And it keeps on causing her a harmatide. Oh, stop, would you stop that? <laughs> and, uh, Fuck up once and live with it forever. And he, Ewan McGregor doesn't know that until her death. Yeah. Which is actually the fucking saddest thing I've ever seen on screen. <laughs> Sadder than when Goose died? Oh, fuck Goose, man. <laughs> I didn't care about him that much. I was like, oh, man, when he died. So, But this one was a whole nother level. Their love story was so believable. It was perfect. It was a musical. Mm-hmm. And the music took you to the places where you were supposed to go feeling-wise. Oh, yes. I mean, it guided you along your feels. My heart was where it was supposed to be yes. every time yeah. they sang. And they both, they're, they're, they didn't have background singers or whatever. That was their real voices. Yeah. And they were fucking good. I was surprised that you and McGregor could sing so well. Dude, I love his voice. I do, too. It's fantastic. Release an album. And he belts it out, man. He that does. That dude could be on Broadway. He could be in Broadway musicals. His, he's, he's very powerful and just... Clean. Yeah. It's, he has a smooth voice. Smooth. All right, let me see what the internet has to say as far as a 50 Cent tour goes. All right, we're going to go with IMDb again. A young Englishman in the Paris of 1899 becomes infatuated with Satine, a singer at the Moulin Rouge. However, she has been promised by the manager to a duke in return for funding his next production. As the young lovers meet in secret, Satine's wedding day draws closer, but she hides a fatal secret from both Christian and the duke. Yep. And that she is dying. If she wasn't dying, then it would have made things a lot easier. It Well, it would have been one of those cliché, everything's <laughs> yeah. perfect in the end, and they live happily I ever wish. after. Just this once, please. <laughs> So you wanted Satine to go to the airport and she's going to board the plane (laughs) and then she's looking back and Ewan McGregor's nowhere to be found and then she looks back again and he he busts through the gate and says, I love you. And 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 the plane turns around and lands. The credits roll. (laughs) No, I mean, that's not... This was a great ending. I just wish I didn't feel like death right now. (laughs) Well, it's good to know that you have those kind of feelings. The Grim Reaper's close by tonight. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Close by the Movie Muggin podcast studio. Well, Damn. I don't, I'm not going to go there. Yeah. I mean, it was a great ending. It was. It, that's but, how it needed to happen. But I, I like that about a movie. When it 
when it doesn't just go with the cliche bullshit. It's not afraid. That every other fucking romantic comedy and just all those things out there do all the time. Yeah, this one was not afraid to go there. That's where it needed to go. That was That's how the storyline was. All right, so let's talk about some <laughs> of the fun parts. I can't so, remember any of them. Uh, well, yeah, it leaves you on a down. <sighs> okay, so Christian, played by Ewan McGregor, is mistaken for the Duke and gets into Satine's room, and Satine is trying to seduce him and for trying the money. to get the money. Yeah, yeah, but he ends up singing, and they sing together and fall in love. The Duke ends up catching Christian, Christian. on top of Satine, and then they have to pretend like they were rehearsing, and then all these other guys oh. just come in. And they put on this show and trying to sell what the show is going to be about. And that, that was a really funny time, too. Because Christian's buddies were spying on him like, oh, shit, he's he's really getting along with her. He's closing the deal. And then the Duke comes in and they're like, oh, fuck, <laughs> like we got to salvage it. And it's this five plus minute long scene of them like all <laughs> singing like play stuff. And the Duke's like, what is the play going to be about? And they're uh, uh, so exciting, <laughs> and then they start. They're dancing doing around all him, that, and, and it's it's a just flash mob. This movie and this part, sensual overload. No, yeah, sensory, sensory <laughs> overload, for sure. Sensual. Yeah, so that part for the Duke was extreme sensory overload. Yeah, they were going around in circles, and it was it was crazy. Confetti and a curtain out of nowhere yeah. to start the play. There's a part that I kind of wanted to turn it down or turn it off for a second at the, the first very, at the very beginning. Yeah, that place is a nonstop crazy train party house, and the shots you have is frantic, fast motion. You have slow motion. You have stills, and you have like one second cuts. Boom, 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 yep. boom, boom, boom. Just all over the place and crazy things going on and crazy Lots colors. Of fast dancing and girls with those uh. I don't know what the term is for the dresses that have like a billion layers, mm-hmm. and they're like waving them around, and they're like a thousand of different colors on each of their dresses. It was just a lot. Loud music, and then a different song gets put on full volume over that music, and they keep they put like three or four songs on at once while all these things are going. Lots of mashups. I felt like I was in the tunnel in Willy Wonka. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, shit. That is a perfect analogy (laughs) for this movie. There's no earthly way of knowing. Oh, yes. You know, I didn't ever realize how fucking creepy Willy Wonka was until (laughs) I got older. Yeah, Gene Wilder was creepy, and then Johnny Depp was, like, weird. Yeah. He wasn't creepy. He was weird. Man. And to be honest, I like both of them. I, I mean, I haven't seen either of them in a long, long time. I always hated Charlie in the original one. <laughs> yeah. That kid fucking bothered me. I liked his grandpa. I didn't like looking at him. I didn't like the way he talked. I just wish they would have <laughs> casted him differently. Did you wish that whenever they drank the soda that he would have gotten hit by the fan? <laughs> yeah, because his burps were stupid, too. <laughs> Yeah, I wish that fan would have just cut his head off in the movie and give somebody else the fucking key to the... And his grandpa was just like, they're alone? What is he supposed to do? I don't know. Eat a a teacup? I don't know. It's just my emotions from this movie talking. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I really loved about this movie, it took place in like 1900, Mm -hmm. but the songs were modern songs. You have fucking Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana come on. They had some... uh Madonna, yeah, Madonna, the Virgin song, and Material World. Um, uh, the what was the? You had U two, you had the Police, Roxanne. 
Who is the uh, the guy with the the eccentric fashion? You had Elton John. That's his name. Yes, dude. There it, were there was a lot of him in there. And, I feel like. And Ewan McGregor just sang it so he, well. I would much rather watch him sing in a musical than watch any of his Star Wars movies. So versatile. Not, not hating, but this shit was awesome. He's so versatile. It, so he's Obi Wan. He's Christian. And he was a... Uh, the heroin addict. Yeah, a heroin addict. Play. He was casted perfectly for that, too. And Christopher Robin, I guess, in the Pooh movie, well, I mean, which I've really never seen. But, but still, one. I mean, <laughs> he was fantastic in this. Both of them were fantastic. Their love story was so fucking believable. And I was just like, if the movie had a finger, I was twisted around it. I was just so into it. I don't know. There was at no point besides that first beginning overloaded yep. section... That I wanted to stop watching. The beginning is ridiculous. So if you haven't seen it, stick with it because that beginning, it does. It makes you feel dizzy. It's just like uh, this is too much. What the? I I can't even tell what's going on. What? I think at one point I said uh, that it bothered me a lot that mm-hmm. scene, but that that really captures the mood of what that place is. That's how it is. So that's how they're going to portray it. All right. Well, favorite parts. Pretty much any scene where Ewan McGregor was singing or Ewan McGregor was singing with Nicole Kidman. Yeah. They're, they're singing and their chemistry. Like, I would think they're married. I would hope that they're married in real life. Like how people do like the Jim and Pam from The Office. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're not. <laughs> uh, I'm assuming that neither of these people are married to each other. So Nicole Kidman is married to Keith Urban. And she used to be married to Tom Cruise. Really? Yep. They did, like, Tom Cruise and her did, like, three movies together. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them was really fucking weird. Eyes Wide Shut is that one. I think it'd be cool to do movies with your spouse. That'd yeah. be badass. But I think it'd be hard, too. Like, we were watching we Days of Thunder, <laughs> which has Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise in it, was on the other night. And, you know, of course, there's, like, the little sex scene with Tom Cruise. And I just wondered... If Keith Urban ever watches this now and knows that they were married and just kind of sees them on the bed together, it's got to be really hard. That's one thing. If you do a movie with your spouse and then you're not together anymore, yeah, you fucking hate that movie, right? You don't. Maybe you don't it let your kids watch on that what movie. The breakup is like, I suppose. But uh, I, I liked their duets and I loved both of their singing. It was just, I, can I say the whole movie was my favorite part? I mean, you can say whatever you want. I I, I pretty much say that because. I loved the whole thing. I think my favorite part was when she figured out that he wasn't the Duke and she's like, no, beat Mm -hmm. it. And then she was out singing on top of the elephant where she lived. Yeah. (laughs) And the elephant building. And then Ewan McGregor (laughs) building. (laughs) Ewan McGregor climbed up the rope. And when she was done singing, he talked to her and then she's like, no, love, love isn't a thing. Security and just all these things. And then he just starts singing He's like, love lift us up. Um, he starts singing U2 in the name of love. He starts singing Love is All You Need by the Beatles. He sang Elton John there, too. And he wins her over. I, just with singing. He like, could win anyone over with his singing. Yeah, he wins her over, and it's at th- that point that she's, like, hooked. I'm in. That was my favorite part. Locked in. Because you know me. I'm a hopeless romantic. You have a wife. I know. And I'm a hopeless romantic for her. Oh, I heard hopeless and thought, like, <laughs> you, yep, you're out of hope. You can't find love. It's hopeless, Jack. Yeah. I'm sorry to tell you on the on the podcast. <laughs> she's decided to take her talents 
down to South Florida. I was about to say, does that mean she'll never be on the podcast again? It's not like the masses are saying, put her on, put her on. (laughs) Yeah. And there are a couple other scenes I thought of. The Virgin song, whenever... That was an awesome scene. The the Duke was upset. He thought that uh, Satine was loving Ewan McGregor behind his back, which he was right. But the owner of the Moulin Rouge, he uh, decided to flip his doubts the other way or whatever, make him think, no, she loves you. And so he starts singing the Virgin song by Madonna. She was supposed to be up there sleeping with him that night. Yeah. And he said, well, she is confessing to a priest because she wants to become pure again, like a virgin. And then they break That's into... the way you make her feel when you touch her. Yeah. So then they do this whole dance scene like it a was, virgin. And, and it was great. And they were in a like a kind of a dinner hall where the two were going to have dinner. And then she didn't show. So the, all these butler guys are there. And so they're all in these same uniforms, and they're dancing awesome. <laughs> it was like some like ballet-type stuff mixed in with it, and they were all in perfect sync like a marching band. And the big fat owner guy, he put on the tablecloth around his head, and like he was like covering his face and stuff, acting like a girl. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it was just perfect. And then you hear the Duke sing. Well, talk about the Duke. The Duke has the nastiest mustache hair face combo ever he's very nasty rich snobby asshole is what you would you just have to look at him to see that you and then you hear him and you go oh god Mm -hmm. and he was uh, perfectly casted he was and easily hated i didn't hate him honestly i i thought it was kind of goofy and i knew he could never do anything you just look at him and read him like a book yeah and let me just say, everyone in this movie was casted, actually, actually everybody. And when I said everybody at first, I was thinking uh, the shorter guy who had the white face paint on yeah, at the end. John Leguizamo. Yeah. He was perfect. Yeah. And then I was Toulouse. Then I was thinking the Duke, Satine, the fat head guy. The, the, the guy who owned the movie. The fat leader, yeah. yeah. And then Ewan McGregor. But then you look at it, all the supporting characters... That one, like, whore girl. I don't I don't know. All of them. Yeah. <laughs> this was casted beautifully. It was. I, I can't think of anyone I would have casted differently. All right. Bucket of chicken time. Ewan McGregor. But it's also, like, the whole movie. <laughs> Does everyone share it, please? I want to give it to Ewan McGregor, but at the same time, the fucking editor of this. Yeah. Holy shit. I just can't imagine the amount of time and work that went into this. And whoever was the creative guy who said, no, here's what I want, here's what I want, and the editor who put it all together, fuck, man, I I, I want to give it to the editor because of all the hard work that they obviously did, and mm-hmm. this was just... They paid off. It was a great job. Yeah. But my heart wants to give it to, <laughs> to Satine and Christian to share. And so I'm giving it to the two of them because nice. those lovebirds deserve it. It's it's like a wedding gift <laughs> because she came back to life and they're going to mm-hmm. enjoy some chicken together, right? Yep. Please tell me that's he, what He happens. hired a necromancer. <laughs> he buried her in the pet cemetery. Gosh. But, All right. Well, it's score time. Yeah. I was down in the uh, the worst part of the movie at the end. I was like, man. It hurt, man. Yeah, I'm going to have to take some points off. And then it's just talking about the movie after it has rejuvenated my spirit and I feel alive again. <laughs> 100. Another 100.
I expect the same from you. <laughs> do you? <laughs> yes, I do. If you don't give it 100, then we have to watch it again. Oh, well, damn. <laughs> well, I'll give it a 300 then. So this is the third time I've seen it. There was only one part in the movie where I was kind of like, oh, another song. And it was toward the end when the guy who owned the club started singing about the show must go on or something like that. And I was like, oh, not another one. But then it started hitting me in those feels and taking me where the song was meant to take me. And that's, fuck, that's another thing that I would almost want to give my bucket of chicken to. How the soundtrack... It just brought... You were like in a lazy river with this movie. It took you where you needed to go, mm-hmm. where you <laughs> needed to be while watching it. Yeah. All right, so my score... Look, I'm not going to be bullied into giving it 100. I, I really... I do love this movie. I'm going to have to give it a 99.7. No. <laughs> Who's that? Adam Sandler over there? You. So I had a number in my head, but the more we talked about it... The more you liked it, right. The, the number went up. So I will be happy giving it a 98. I will not be happy. I had 95 in mind, and then the more we talked about it, it bumped it up to 98. That was only... Our whole conversation where I've been smiling the whole time was worth 3% to you. (laughs) You bastard. It was a great movie. (laughs) It was a great, tragic love story. They were so believable as... Great acting. Being in love. I think the only thing that probably keeps me from giving a, a 100 is... I, I didn't always enjoy the feel of the movie, and I know that was supposed to make me feel like that. It just uneasy. Like during the Roxanne part? Like throughout most of the movie, there was a, there was an underlying unease in the whole thing. Oh. Enough to keep me from giving it a 100. Oh, and and I, I know that that's not something that <laughs> I can make you understand <laughs> how that weird, felt. But, yeah. But that's, that's how I felt, so. Okay. All right, well, thank you for tuning in to episode number 33 of Movie Muggin. If you would like to keep up with us, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Movie Muggin. You can also go to our website, moviemuggin.com. If you want to ask us a question or you want to suggest a movie, there's links there to do that as well. Guys, we love you. Come what may. And we will catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in to Movie Muggin. Let's never watch that movie again.